do, we'll be in 1 John this morning. Now, 1 John in the Bible, some people think that the 1 John might be the gospel because it's the first of John's writings in the Bible. But if you 1 John is one of five books that John the Apostle wrote, John 1, 2, and 3. So if you want to have a hard time finding it, it's closer to the end of the Bible. A lot of times you go to Revelation, you come back to Jude, then you get Third uh, John, Second John, First John. We'll be in First John this morning. This will be a, an interesting. It is the Apostle John's writings, but but we're in First John chapter one, and then we'll be looking at some verses of Scripture in chapter one, five through ten, and then we'll look at the first two verses in chapter two. But First John. So if you have your Bibles or you have your app or or however, just go ahead and get turned up to that that area. So you can be ready in a moment. We'll be into that word together. I sent you the email early this week so you could look at that as well. I uh, want to open that up for you this morning because that's some, some really good scripture. It goes along with a lot of what we've been talking about over the last year. I mean, we've been talking about relationship. We've been talking about uh, uh, the way to, re- to have fellowship. And so, Tyler, the message is enhancing our fellowship with God. And that's something we talk about. I mean, that's something we want to do. Every time we come together, we want to enhance our relationship with God. We want to grow our relationship stronger to Him. That's what's what your quiet time is. That's what your Bible study is. So all that is about growing the fellowship and growing the relationship. So this morning, we're going to talk about relationship. We're going to talk about fellowship. And then, and then we'll get into a few things. So let me just open it up with a few things here. Is one of the main purposes of the church is to have fellowship with God. That's no, uh, not unusual. You know that's to be the case. That's one of the main functions of the church is to glorify the Father, to share the gospel, to, to witness, to, to do the things that he's charged to do. But one of the main purposes of the church, which is the body of believers, is to have fellowship with God, to have communion with him. We talked about that over the last several weeks. Fellowship is important for Christian living. Time spent together with God enhances our fellowship. You want to get to know somebody, you've got to spend time with them. You want to get to know God, you've got to spend some time with them. And the thing is, we talk about how much we're going to know about him this side of heaven, but we want to know more about him. We, we study his words so that we can grow in what we want to know about him. We need to have fellowship with God, and we need to have fellowship with one another. Now, that's something that Pine Hill is known for, right? Fellowship. We can have some fellowship with one another. Amen? Third Sundays is just an awesome time to have fellowship with one another, to, to reflect back, to talk about things, to talk about events in your life, to talk about how things are growing, how things you're doing, um, how they uh, struggle. We talk about a lot of different things, but fellowship's important. Small groups, when we talk about small groups, one of the things that I, I really stressed about small groups is the fact that I can study the passive scripture. You can study the passive scripture. You can study the passive scripture. You write down a few notes about what God's saying to you in that passive scripture. You come together. You share those with one another because a lot of times there's multiple truths in the passage and maybe you didn't see it. Maybe somebody else did. But communication together helps you grow in the word. That's what small groups are all about. That's what Sunday school is about. That's what our time together, other than just preaching and studying the word, but it's all about God growing the relationship with us, with him, 
and with one another. It's all important. We spend a lot of time studying God's Word for the purpose of glorifying Him. That's the main thing. We want to glorify the Father. We want the things that we do, the actions we take, the reason we come together is all to glorify Him. We want to have fellowship with Him, but we want to glorify Him. At the same time, we want to strengthen our relationship with Him, and we want to enhance our relationship with Him. Amen? We want to know him better because when we know him better, that's how we get through the struggle. Man, that's how we get through these difficult times in our life is because we got somebody, we got an advocate. We're going to talk about that this morning. There's times in our fellowship that it's interrupted with God. Man, there's times when our fellowship with God gets interrupted. There's a time, there's times in our life when outside stressors, when when events of this world put a little different stress on our life, a little bit of pressure on our life. There's things and events of this world that hinder our relationship with our Heavenly Father. There's outside pressure, stressors, and struggle in this world that put a strain on our relationship with God. You agree with me? And sometimes it's hard. It's not always easy. It's not always easy to make sure that we have that time within the Word. It's not always easy to, to slot out that time that we should be in fellowship with God. There's an enemy. That's what I want to talk about this morning. There's an enemy out there that wants to destroy your relationship with God. There's an enemy out there that wants to drive a wedge between you and God. He does not want you to grow closer to him. He does not want you to to be in fellowship with him. There's an enemy out there. Let's take a, a closer look at this. Let's look at this this morning. Every form of life on this planet has an enemy. You think about it. Insects have to watch out for hungry birds. Amen? Birds got to watch out for hungry cats or other issues, or other things, or other animals, or whatever wants to make a meal out of them. Even people have to deal with sickness. We can fight off germs. We fight off viruses. We deal with cancers on a daily basis. All of this is things that we have to deal with because we live in a broken world. Now, let me tell you something. The enemy out there is a three-letter word called sin. You with me? Not that sin causes all these things, but we live in a broken world, and sin is the main function of the broken world. Sin hinders our fellowship with each other, and it hinders our fellowship with God. Now, let's look at a few things we talked about two weeks ago during our fellowship time. When Jesus used the parable and made the statement that he was the vine and we are the branches, he was making a strong point that we need to be stay, stay connected to him on a continual basis so that we can get through the struggle, so that we can get through the world of sin, so that we can overcome these obstacles. He didn't say just connect with me on Sunday morning. He didn't say just connect with me occasionally on Sunday nights or Wednesday night. He said you you are the branches and you need to be stay connected with me continually. Let's look at this a little bit further. In order to have continued fellowship with God, which is what we need seven days a week, 24 hours a day, in order to have fellowship with God, we got to stay connected with Jesus Christ. We want to be connected with God. We got to stay connected with his son. That's how we get relationship with God. That's how we were made justified. That's how we were made righteous to have a relationship with God. This morning, we're going to open up God's word in 1 John chapter 5 and see what the scripture says we should do in order to have continual fellowship with the creator of the universe. If you are able, would you stand with me and honor the reading of God's word? 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5, says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there's absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. 
If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, this is verse, chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. Father, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. God, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. There's many different characteristics that describe Jesus Christ. We talk about characteristics. Characteristics are important. They tell us who a person is. They tell us what he stands for. There's a lot of characteristics that describe Jesus. And there's many different characteristics that describe God. And these characteristics are similar. They're one and the same. They go hand in hand with each other. They're in constant communication with each other. They're connected to each other. God the Father, God the Son are connected to each other. Jesus made this statement. If you have seen me, you have seen who? The Father. That's what Jesus said. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Man, you don't get any closer than that. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He also said, the Father and I are what? One. We're one. When Patty and I got married, we became one. We were continually connected to each other. We might uh, not always agree on certain things, and we might not always see eye to eye on some things, but mostly we do, don't we? She doesn't know I put this stuff in here. But we're connected to each other through God. He is our connection. We're continually connected together through him. And we look at that. We're connected to the true vine. Jesus made that statement. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. Basically what he's saying is we're united. Men, the Father and I are united together. We're connected continually together. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. We are continually in fellowship with one another. We want to grow together. Of all the different characteristics of described God, when we look in this passage of Scripture, the Bible says that God is light. And we're going to talk about light. We're going to talk about darkness. We're going to talk about contrast. We're going to talk about the difference between the two. But the Bible says God is light. And Jesus made that same statement. He said, I am the what? Light of the world. Amen? He said, I'm the light of the world. God is light. And what we talk about, he's light. God is the opposite of darkness. The Bible says in verse 5, there is absolutely no darkness in him. When we look at darkness, we relate darkness to sin. But the Bible says God is light. There is absolutely no darkness in him. There's a distinct contrast between light and darkness. There's no in-between. It's either one or the other. There's nothing gray about it. It's light or it's dark. There's no in-between. God is light and sin is darkness. There's no God in sin and there's no sin in God. That's something you can write down. And you think about it. God is light. There's no sin in him and there's no sin in God. 
There's none to contrast we want to look at. This, this scripture is doing a, a lot about contrast. There's another contrast in this passage of scripture, the contrast between saying and doing. This is where we get caught up a lot of times in the things that we say versus the things that we do. When you want to look at this a little bit further, on four different times in this passage of scripture, the apostle John used the words, if we, two words. These are very significant words, if we. If you, if I, whatever, he's talking about if we. And you think about that. You apply those words to your life and look at what it says. We can apply these same two words to our life if we. Basically what he's saying is if we say, if we do, if we walk, if we talk, if we confess, whatever we do, if we do it, there's going to be a result or there's going to be a consequences, whether it's good or bad. Something's going to come from what we do. And he's talking about it. If we confess, if we do these things, if we say, you look at them all together, it is clear that our Christian life is going to amount, going to amount more than what we just say. Man, Christian life amounts to more than just talk. You've got to walk the walk and talk the talk. But you think about it, and we talked about this, or I talked about this yesterday with a young man that was counseling with me on the phone and basically we talk about the the, the the things I say I told him I said if I tell you I'm a Christian but my walk doesn't reflect that which one are you going to believe which one are you going to believe what I'm telling you because I want you to, to think that or what I'm showing you and there's a distinct difference between the two from a worldly standpoint we might make the statement our team is going all the way this year. And I didn't know you were going to be here, Daniel, but I was going to bring it up. Because here's what, here, I've been supporting the syrup makers for 23 years. And here's the thing is, every year my family would say, how are they looking this year? And what does that say, Patty? Going all the way this year. That's what I say every single year, going all the way. And then when I talk with some of the kids, I say, man, we look bad this year. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. But the thing is, I tell them, I say, we're going all the way this year. This is our year. But if our team results do not match what we say, then what we say is just talk. It's just simply talk. We must also walk the walk and talk the talk. As Christians, many times our actions speak louder than our words. Man, people look at what you do. They look at how you act. They look at your commitment. It speaks a lot louder a lot of times than what you say. One of the questions that our Wednesday night Bible study presented this past week, and it stuck out with me, and I, when I saw it, I'm thinking, you know, that's just a strong question, and, and William shared it with us this past week. But it says, is your walk with the Lord good or is it great? You think about that. This is self-examination time. Is your walk with the Lord good or is it great? When you think about that, now here's the thing. It's going to be good or great because walking with the Lord can never be bad. Amen? So it's going to be good or great, but where is it on the level of what it's doing? Where is it? Is it good or is it great? How would you answer that question? Man, your walk is going to be good or great. It's going to depend on how close you are to the Father. Man, the closer you are, the better the walk is. The closer you are to somebody, the better that communication is, the better the walk is. It's going to depend on how obedient you are to the Father. It's going to depend on how much you're listening to Him. Are you paying attention? Are you following His Word? Are you doing what you need to be doing? Or are you just talking about it? So ask yourself, how would you answer that question? Would you say that God is doing some pretty good things in you, through you? about you with your life are you, are you would you say that your life is a really good witness to other people because of how God is working in you or would you say there's some significant areas that need to change 
Man, this is, this is always looking at self-examination. Man, I'll, I'll look at this stuff. I'm thinking, is there some things in my life that need to change? Or are there some things in my life that need to be adjusted to, to so that I have a closer walk with the Father? If we, when we look at that, if we are to be in fellowship with God, which means if we are walking in the light, which is what the Bible says, we're to walk in the light, our lives will back up what our mouth is saying. Amen? Man, if we are walking the way we're supposed to be walking, you're going to see it. I don't have to tell you about it. I mean, you're going to see it. You're going to know it. You're going to understand it. But if we are living in sin and walking in darkness, then our lives are going to contradict what our mouth is saying. People are going to see it. The Christian church is under fire because the world wants to change and manipulate God's word. And they want to change it. I'm going to maybe step on a... I might get in trouble with this one, but anyhow, it wants to manipulate to fit into society. They want to change it to fit into society. God's Word has got to change so that it makes me more comfortable. Here's a worldly phrase. I want to find a church that believes the way I believe. That's a dangerous question, amen? You don't find a church that believes the way I believe. I want to find a church that preaches the Bible. And I want to believe the way, the way God wants me to believe. People are flawed and imperfect. And there are many who want to change the, the perfect God to fit into their society, to fit into their little world. When we look at the New Testament calls the Christian life a walk. And the walk begins by the step of faith when we trust Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. The Christian life is a, a walk. We're walking with the Lord. We're walking in the light. But the thing is this, when you turn your life over to Jesus Christ and you make him the Lord of your life, that's when your walk begins. But it doesn't end there. That's not just, I made a profession of faith. Now, the Lord, he's the Lord of my life. I can sit back and coast the rest of the way. That's where the walk begins. The walk begins with this step. But salvation is not the end of the walk. It's only the beginning of spiritual life. It's only the beginning of our spiritual journey that we have with Jesus Christ. Let's look at a few things further. Walking involves progress. It involves movement. You can't walk and stand still, Amen. There's got to be some kind of motion that takes place. Christians are supposed to move forward in their spiritual life. They're supposed to move forward in their spiritual journey. You think about it. When we talk about newborn children, we're talking about babies that are crawling. Just as a child learns to walk and have to overcome difficulties, a lot of falling that takes place as they're learning to go. There's a lot of stumble. There's a lot of struggle in order to get to those two feet, to get to moving. There's a lot of things that take place. Christian life is very similar to that. The Bible says God is light and in him there is absolutely no darkness. And we'll back up and look at some things. The difficulty in walking, the difficulty in this in the struggle, the difficulty in this world is that little thing that's called sin. But we look at some things. When we are saved, God calls us out of darkness. And he calls us out of sin. He calls us into the light. He wants us to walk with him. He calls us out of darkness into the light. We become children of the Father. Amen. We want to walk in the light. That's what we're looking at. Let's look at a few things about life. Light produces life, growth, and beauty. The only thing that I know of that grows in the dark is what? Mushrooms. That's about all I know about. Everything else requires light, but sin is darkness, and darkness and light cannot exist and will not exist in the same place. No way it happens. You think about it. Let's look at this. When you turn on the light, darkness has to go. Amen? When you turn it off the light, darkness comes in. Think about that with God in your life. When you turn on the light and God comes in your light, darkness has to go. That means sin has to go. That means Satan has to go. But when you turn 
off the light, which means when you're not in fellowship with the Father, when you turn off the light and God's not in there, what, what happens? Darkness comes in. And that's where sin enters in. When you think about it, darkness and light cannot enter in the same place. If we're walking in the light, then darkness has to go. If we're holding on to sin, then light cannot come in. There's no middle ground. There's no gray area. It's just like black and white. It's like light and darkness. There's nothing in between. When we look at what John says, he moves on into, and, and it even gets better. In chapter 2, there's a couple of things in chapter 2 I want to share with you that are they're so important, and it, it gets better. John makes it clear that Christians, do not have to sin. We don't have to. We don't want to. There's not a, we don't want to have a desire in our life. We don't have to. We're born of sinful nature, which means there will be sin in there because we have a sinful nature which is born into us. We're, we're trying to overcome it. It's a daily process. Jesus said, take up my cross. Take up your cross on a daily basis. John makes it clear you don't have to sin. Sin is human nature. We live in a sinful world. We live in a, a broken world. Satan uses sin to manipulate us. Satan wants to drive a wedge between us. He wants to use your sin to make sure that he tells you you're not good enough to have fellowship with the Father, that you're not really a child of God, that God really saved. But the secret of victory over sin is found in this phrase, walk in the light. You want to overcome sin? Walk in the light. Amen? That's all it says in the Bible. All you got to do, what does it mean to walk in the light? What, this is what it means. To walk in the light means to be open, to be honest, to be sincere. It means to step out of darkness into the light. That's what it goes on. To walk in the light means to be honest to God, to be honest to ourselves, to be honest to other people. That's what he's talking about. It means that when, we, when the light reveals our sins to us, what do we do with them? When we recognize that there's sin in our life, what's the first thing we should do with it? Confess it. Bring it before the cross. Lay it at the feet of the cross. Trust that Jesus Christ is going to forgive us. He says he will. Ask for his forgiveness. But walking in the light means something else. It means obeying God's word. Look in Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word is the light of my feet. It's the, it's the lamp at my feet and the light of my path. That's Old Testament scriptures. God's word is the, the lamp at my feet. It illuminates my feet. It allows me to see where I'm going because I can't see in the darkness. I'm, y'all might have good, better vision, but, but darkness is one of the things that I struggle with. To walk in the light means to spend time daily in God's word, discovering his will for our lives, and then obeying what his will is and then the things that he's asked me to do. Man, I want to make sure that when I step before the Father in heaven, when he, when he says, hey, Kerry, you know, what would you do with Jesus? What would you do with Pine Hill Baptist Church? What would you do with Christianity? What would you do when you were there? You know, what would you do with that life I gave you to use? I want to be able to answer that question. I want him to say, well done, that good and faithful servant. What? Enter into the house of your Lord. Isn't that what you want to hear? Amen. That's what we want to hear. What are you doing with it? Let's look a little bit further, and I'm getting close. Obedience. Let's look at this. Obedience to God's word is proof of our love for him, and there's three motives of obedience. You're going to look at obedience in three different ways. These are the way I want you to look at it, all right? We can obey because we have to. We can obey because we need to. Or we can obey because we want to. And you're going to have to make one of those three choices. If you're going to obey God's word, you're going to do it from one of those three things. And let's look at this. A slave obeyed his master because he had to. If he didn't, he would be punished. An employee obeys because he needs to. He needs a paycheck. 
He needs to feed his family. He needs to do that. But a Christian, we go look a little bit further. A Christian is to obey his heavenly father because he wants to. He has a, a desire. He or she wants to have a relationship with God based on the fact that God has provided unconditional love for us. And we want to have a relationship with him because we want to be his children. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Follow my direction. Keep my commandments. Do exactly what I'm telling you to do. When we look at this, let's look at this this going into chapter 2. When we understand the reality of the situation that's in front of us, which is sin. When we understand that there's sin in our world, and when you realize that Jesus Christ is in heaven, and he's speaking on my behalf. He's defending me in front of the Father. That's what the Bible says. He's an advocate. Now, he's speaking on my behalf. He's defending me because of all the junk that's in my life, because there's sin in my life, because of the sinful world. He's speaking on my behalf. He's defending me in front of God the Father. Then you realize that we have an advocate that loves us unconditionally. Verse verse, uh, verse 1, chapter 2, is talking about an advocate. Well, what in the world does that mean? Why is Christ an advocate? It's just another name for what he is or what he's doing up there. And just think about it. Isn't it great that we have a defense attorney that's in our corner working tirelessly for us defending us in front of the father isn't that great let me tell you something some people he's working overtime for a lot of cases in some people's lives there are some important facts about jesus christ serving in an advocate let's look at that that was a joke i just threw that in there y'all didn't catch that did you i said he's working overtime for a lot of people he is But let's just look at the advocate. What does that mean? You never have to make an appointment to see him. He's always available. You never have to make an appointment to see him. Unlike the majority of attorneys on this planet, he is free. But there's a key to the fact that Jesus Christ is an advocate. And here's the key. He's never lost a case. And you can imagine that Jesus Christ is defending you and me in front of God, the Father, the creator of the universe, and he has never lost a case. Amen? That is one of the best things ever. That's one of the things that he's the key. He's never lost a case. He stands before the God, not to declare that we're innocent. He's not up there saying they didn't do it. He's not up there saying, you know, they didn't do what what you said they did. They didn't do what they're doing. Sin is not down there, but he's declare our guilt. He talks about how guilty I am, but yet he follows that with, Father, my death on the cross has acquitted him of all that penalty. I have t- paid the price for my children. I took care of it for them. They're not that they're not guilty of it, but their penalty has been paid. Amen? Isn't that a great thought to know that Christ is at the right hand of the Father, defending us each and every day? And doesn't that, these are two questions for you. Doesn't that make you want to enhance your relationship with God? Doesn't that make you want to enhance your relationship with Jesus Christ? Doesn't that make you want to grow closer to him, to study more about him, to know more about him, to, to know that he's at the right hand of the Father defending me and wants to have fellowship with me? As Christians, our objective is, in our Christian walk, is not to sin. That's our objective. We shouldn't have a desire to sin. We don't desire to go sin. Sin happens, but that's not what we desire to do. But when we do, what the Bible says, God's Word says that you confess it, you take it to the cross, and you leave it there. God says he casts as far as the east is from the west. He knows it no more. Satan will bring it back up. He'll rehash it in your life, but God doesn't. He's not the one bringing it back up. Let me tell you that. It says you confess it to him, you take it to him, and you leave it there. 
and you don't keep it with you. When we can do that because of the love that God has for his children. Man, that's the best news ever. Amen. God loves us unconditionally. He loves us so much that he sent Jesus Christ as a free gift for us to, to die on a cross. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8 says this, By grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Man is a sinner. And we're born with a sinful nature. We're a sinner. There's no way around it. We're going to have sin in our life. We're going to deal with sin on a, a daily basis. But we have an advocate that's up there defending us. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Man, sin creates a barrier. It creates separation. We can't get to God and he can't get to us. There had to be sacrifice made. And God made it through his son, Jesus Christ. He provided salvation for us. And he provided eternal life for us. Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is one of my favorite verses of scripture in the Bible. I tell you that every week because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It says in the Bible, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you call on God. You call on the Father. You invite him into your heart. It says he's just. He'll save you. He'll turn your life around. He'll change you. He'll make you something that you're not. Something that he wants you to be. Friends, when our time on this earth is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. And eternity is too long to be wrong. Perhaps today you'd like to make sure and know without a shadow of a doubt that you'll spend eternity in heaven and not hell. Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that simple. All you've got to do is invite him in. Genuinely invite him into your heart. It's a change. You've got to want him to come in. You've got to have a desire for him to come in. You've got to have a desire to let him lead your life. And when you do that, he is just. Holy Spirit says he comes in and he resides in your heart. He lives in your heart. He changes you. He makes you anew. All things are new. That's what Christ does for us. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. If you have a decision to make, if you have a, a, a a decision that you want to make. If you don't know the Lord, I'll be down front. I'd love to share more with you about Jesus. Maybe this is a, a time when you just want to come to the cross. Maybe you want to come to the altar and just lay it at the feet of Jesus. Confess it, leave it there, and walk away from it. Whatever it is, maybe there's a, a burden in your life. Maybe there's a, a struggle going on. Maybe there's something that you just want God to, to help you with. Maybe you just bring it to the altar, whatever it means. Maybe, uh, maybe you're looking for a church home. And this is a great place to, to call home. What a fellowship this place has. Amen. Whatever the decision, in the moment we have an invitation, this time is set aside for you. The time of invitation is a time for you to, to just close your eyes and just uh, talk with the Father. It's a vertical time when you just have fellowship with the Father. There's no looking around. It doesn't matter what other people are doing because this is between you and the Lord. Amen. Father God, I come before you this morning. God, just thanking you for who you are. God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the love that you have that you would send your son to die on a cross for us. And God, I pray if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you, God, I pray that this day would be the day that they would come to know you. Father, for others in our congregation, God, for, 
for those in need of, of rededication. Father, just laying it back on the line. God, just turn it over. Say, hey, this is, the, this is a new day. God, we're starting a new fresh day today, and God, I want to live for you. This is whatever the decision. God, for those that, that want to join the church, those that want to be fellowship of this church, God, this is a time that we reflect on you and that we lean on you and that we love on you. Father, for whatever issues take place this morning, God, just pray that you would be glorified in everything we say and we do. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.